WBNE. Howdy, Yokes. Before we get started today, this episode is brought to you by uh, Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash eggs for a free month of Audible and listen to Ready Player Two on the or internet. Thrawn. Or Thrawn. Or whatever you want to do. That code is still valid, even though I signed up for it over three years ago. It lasts until 2028. It is a silly code because normally it's just audible.com, but ours is audibletrial.com slash eggs. You can go in and you can get whatever book you want. You've been thinking about reading those uh, Larry Potter books? You can get those. Sherlock Holmes? You can get the whole collection. Yeah, if you're one of the people that doesn't already have an Audible account, use that. Get an Audible account. It's free for a month, and then they'll charge you until the end of time. But here's the cool thing is if you ever cancel your subscription, you do get to keep all the books, so it's very cool. You get, you do get to keep all the books. You just have to pay full price for them if you want more of them. Yeah, which is not cool, but you get to keep the ones you already had, so that's Neato Burrito. Uh, anyway, do that. Also, check out our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Bacon and Eggs. It's a great way to support the show uh, without giving any money to Jeff Bezos. And you can check out all our great reward tiers. We have like six minutes of audio unedited that you can listen to in this episode already at our $10 tier. I highly recommend that. Anyway, thank you for helping to make this podcast the best it can possibly be. Thank you for donating. Thank you for listening. I love you. You're beautiful. You are loved. You have value. You bring value to this world. And I just honestly, without you, the world wouldn't be the same and it would be worse without you. It's better with you is what I'm trying to say. I really, I really think you're a fantastic human being. And you know what? You look really, really nice in that shirt. Howdy, Yokes, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edgehill. And today we're starting a band. Or maybe we're not a band. So fall in love with an artist. And become a doctor, eventually. Because today we're bringing you Hearts Beat Loud. So, Ethan, before we get into even the statistics, I do want to run like a quick synopsis of the film. I do feel okay. like there's going to be a larger portion than usual of our audience who has not seen Hearts Beat Loud. So quick rundown. It is available on iTunes for $4.99 and Amazon for $4.99. It is also streaming on Hulu. So if you haven't watched it, it is a one on the binary scale, at least for me. Highly recommend you go see it. Uh, additionally, it is a story about a Nick Offerman running a record shop and his uh, daughter, He's a single father. His mother, or his wife, I'm sorry, has passed, and his daughter is preparing to go to UCLA for medical school, and they live in Brooklyn. So and that's the setup, and he's got to close the record shop so that he can get a job that will help pay for UCLA because the record shop doesn't really make money. Right. Because it's a record shop. And it's got a great LGBTQ plus romance aspect to it. It's just smack dab in the middle. I It's so well integrated into the film that when I was like, we should cover Hearts Beat Loud, I forgot that it was in there. It was just I, like- I was watching halfway through and I was like, oh, we should have saved this for June. I, I was thinking the same thing. This is an awesome like, Pride movie. <laughs> but we also missed one of the Pride weeks. So I'm, you know what? Glad we're able oh, to Oh yeah, get back no, on we can celebrate Pride all, all the year all long. Year, all, the, all the live long year. Uh, it's almost like it came out in June too. It was actually released on June 6th, 2008 or June 8th, 2018. I can talk. June 8th, 2018. That feels like an important day. Uh, that was 900 days ago. It had a $1.8 million budget. It came, uh, I'm sorry, it made $2.4 million worldwide. So not like a huge, 
huge sum of money. I think it's actually uh, our, our least uh, successful movie. Yeah, but it got a 92% critic rating and a 74% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 65 on Metacritic. Uh, Ethan, do it you was also directed a... by Brett Haley. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that entirely. That's fine. I was the one that started, so I, I missed. I skipped it because we're talking about dates. We're talking about coming out in June and um, yes. I skipped the Brett Haley part. Do you have a negative review? I do. Uh, Dana Barnes of the Sacramento News and Review says, Offerman is as likable as ever, but it's asking a lot for him to carry a film, especially one without an ounce of urgency in the narrative. Uh, do you have a positive review? And then we can talk I, about our our feelings and well, our I listeners' do. feelings. I've got a positive review from Paul Burns, but the problem is that's from Sydney and I can't do like an Aussie ad accent You, you can just read it out loud with your mouth and your voice. So, Larushka Ivan Zadeh from the Times in the UK says, Offerman puts on a subtle turn beneath God. his humongous aging hipster beard and Clemens is deliciously natural as the exasperated Sam. Deliciously natural Deliciously is a gross natural. way to put things. That is gross. Gross, yeah. That's, that feels say, like a thing that you can get away with saying if you're British. I will say something Kiersey Clemens does incredibly well, incredibly well, is listen acting. Like there's a scene where Nick Offerman is playing a song about their dead, uh, the mom, and she's yeah. just like looking and like the whole the camera focuses on her the whole time and it's like three minutes of of movie where she's just like looking and smiling and crying all at the same time and i it was fantastic i thought it was so cool this movie i will say i just want to make this point before i forget about it because i will forget to say this this movie sits with the songs longer than any other movie in these genres ever does what do you mean by that like you hear the whole song right yeah like if he's like oh i have a song to play for you he sits down and plays the whole song yeah i gotta fill out that runtime and she has to sit there and listen and like normally you get a movie like stranger than fiction and any it like cuts halfway through to like the actual band singing the song and then like there's a whole thing and a scene and they fall in love and they make love and they do the do, they do the sex thing and then like but this Thank is just God like nope that didn't happen here yeah that would be weird for sure <laughs> that uh, would have been like what a wild turn for this movie but i mean they definitely could have been like you know oh we're gonna play uh best american girl by mitski and then we're gonna make out like in the middle of it right but instead she was just like yeah go home and listen to it and sam was like okay cool i'll I'll do that and then and then we watch sam listen to it i just thought that was interesting uh I, I i enjoyed that part like it sort of showed the reality of what it's like to actually sit there while someone plays you a song especially a song that they wrote and it is like always a kind of intimate and awkward experience it is awkward i think the film does a really good job of portraying something that i don't think we get to see especially not in in the dark times that we're in right now the value of a good live performance that draws you in like we I, this sounds so obvious to 2019 tyler but to 2020 tyler it's been a long time since i've like sat in an audience for a band or a comedian or whoever that i've never heard of and then like you really get sort of like drawn into the fun of it i think a lot about when we saw commonplace in high school they were not like a good band by any means they were just you know a bunch of our friends one of them knew how to play guitar and one drums and one saxophone and but like when you were there like you got drawn into the whole thing and that's that's what uh, the, the big sort of concert there at the end reminded me of was like all these people listening they don't know we're not a band they don't know these songs nobody's ever heard these songs but they they get really into it and really excited about it I definitely I, I've played for six people in record stores before for sure I believe it I've I done was it. Gonna, it's, it's a great yeah. they're great experiences right like you're not gonna pay the bills on six people in a record store you're not gonna make it famous on six people in a record store but like shut up Siri I did not say your name at all but like you can those are mem those are those are experiences I'll remember right and those are super experiences for the people who were there right yeah, if you can connect with those people, that's that's a whole different thing. Like, especially if it's somebody that walks into just like, oh, I just wanted to buy a record. 
and then they end up hanging around because I've like watched that happen before. It's very cool. Yeah. So I thought that was fantastic. Ethan, I want to know your binary and your hundred score uh, because this is a movie that I felt like was going to connect with your experience with music more than it did mine. So I'm just actually I thought this was going to connect with you on like every level more than it would for me. So I'm curious how you so, responded to it. I, I, real quick, I do want to just give uh, some listener reviews real quick. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Uh, Valerie says I liked uh, sorry, a solidly good film, but I liked the music more than the storyline. And uh, Nora says very good, but Nick off it took me out of it a little bit especially toward the beginning i agree with both of these things and i don't think these are bad these are complaints necessarily i do agree with both of these things uh it is hard to see nick offerman outside of the traditional because like a lot of his persona is just ron swanson like a super liberal one ron swanson right but like even his stand-up is just like this is how you be a man you need to cook your steak for 11 seconds <laughs> make things with your hands yeah, you brand a cow and then you bite into it and he also is like a musician and, and plays guitar and like does a little bit of musical comedy um so it's definitely a different side of him but it, it is it is hard not to see ron swanson when you hear nick offerman especially that's so weird i actually did not have that experience and maybe it's because i've seen this more than once uh I don't know. I, mean, I wouldn't say I, it took me out of it, but it was, there was definitely a little bit of like, I was watching Nick Offerman and not Frank Fisher, especially the beginning. I, I feel that. Uh, those are great listener reviews. I want to know your binary and your overall feel here. So, I mean, binary is a one. I think you need to see this uh, just because it is another great example of like, what is the way to, what is the way to describe this? Like specifically in regards to, uh, to, to LGBTQ things. It is a movie that, that incorporates Starting it without like making normal. Uh, right. But normalizing it, right? Right. Like he asks her, and clearly they've had some kind of conversation and and been past the whole thing. Because there's first questions like, "Do you have a girlfriend?" Which is not what we'd typically call like the norm, right? And then he, not- then she's like, "No," and he's like, "Do you have a boyfriend?" Question mark. Question mark. Right. Like that would be very weird. Right. <laughs> And it's just totally normal. It doesn't matter. It's like it. They, they, they could have been any two people the way that, you know, used to only be the case with with two straight people. And I love that about this movie. And so I think for that reason, if no other reason, it's important. Just like the normalizing of conversations of any kind between uh, between p- parents and children. I think it's a one. I think it's important. As far as my score goes, I don't know, man. I didn't love this as much as I wanted to. Like, I really related to it, but it also sort of fell short for me as a movie, as like a story. Yeah, I. Uh, you said one of our listeners pointed out that they like the music better than the story as i like come back around to it i don't really know what the story is well so this is this is this is a thing with uh artsy movies right sometimes we're like there isn't really a beginning middle and end there's just a middle or maybe just this is like just an end for the whole right. movie and like, like it i feel doesn't- like it, it leads you up to believe that like frank is going to find a way to save the record shop but the real conflict resolution is frank coming to terms with not needing it right and well, he's he's gonna say he's not he's gonna, you know they're gonna save the record shop. They're gonna throw some kind of and and what what I'm about to do right now is turn this into you know Empire Records, turn it into like the indie movie of yore, and like you know become the the sort of like hero tale. And you know you gotta you gotta have the show that saves the record store, right? And then you gotta have the two people fall in love, and then she decides to stay, or the other one decides to go out to California, right? And then you know Nick. And Frank and the girl are going to fall in love, right? All of those things are going to happen. And like, none of those things really happen. Well, Sam does stay. No, she doesn't. Yeah, she does. She says something about like, I can go next year or something. But she goes. Oh, does she? I missed yeah. that. Yeah, she goes because she's like emailing him the, the song she needs to work on. She's texting it to him. And it was something uh, somebody recently pointed out to me. It was Beth Riekels, uh author of The Kissing Booth. It was like something that she hates in movies is when a text conversation shows up and there's no previous texts. Like you're texting your dad for the first time ever. Right. <laughs> Although I and, think if it's, it's I think if it's a parent 
or a child texting a parent, I think that's valid because like I know people, as, as some over 40s, that will just like clear their text messages. That's insane to me. Absolutely is. But I also know people who don't use the messaging app on their phone. They use like Instagram to like primarily communicate with all of their friends. That's not over 40s. That's under <laughs> under that's, 20s. That's like under 18s. Yeah. I guess it's probably like under 25s now. But like that to me is like... How do you how do function? you yeah right like uh, how like, do you <laughs> like like it's like when you and I send each other an Instagram message it's like this is a meme and then it's like oh haha that's a funny meme and that's it right like, like if I didn't <laughs> want it if I wanted to send this to you I'd have to screenshot it and text it to you right and I'll usually still do that. <laughs> Right. I, yeah, I, we even send TikTok messages to like the iMessage group chat. Group chats were something that recently uh, I learned was like like kids almost exclusively talk to each other in group chat. Yeah. Which is wild to me. Right. Like what what is wrong with interpersonal communication? Right. Like the, the, the feature that I, Apple just rolled out where you can directly reply to a message in a group chat. I'm like, why is this useful? Right. When, and the teens were like, ever... oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so I'm going to give this movie an 80. 80. I, that's actually higher than I will. I love this movie. It's a very rare feel good movie. Uh, I love Nick Offerman. I think Kirstie Clemens is fantastic. I can watch Ted dance in 10 bar as a stoner for two hours straight. Right. That's that's just gold right there. Um, I'm going to go for 78. OK. Yeah, I just like I, so. So I've seen plenty of movies like this, right, where it where none of the things that you're expecting to happen happen. And it's not a satisfying conclusion, but it's still a good ending. And I just, this one didn't 100% do it for me, especially the end. Like, I, I don't hate the ending. I don't hate anything about the movie. It just like, I get that none of those things happened and that's okay. And like, that's their spiritual journey and that's what they learn and whatever. But it still just felt kind of like, okay, but like, but like he saves the record shop, right? Like, I know he just- But he doesn't want to save the record shop. Like he has like, t- Tony Collette's character, Leslie, yeah. gives him like an out and is like, you can easily save the record shop. Right, he doesn't want to save the record shop. You. Right. But like, I expected, I still expected him to be like, oh man, well, you know, I had this great show at Red Hook Records. Now I need to keep Red Hook Records alive as a music venue. Like, and he just doesn't, right? And, he did, and and that's sort of the end of the movie is like they just they just don't they I do wake like up the next goes, morning and continue living i do like that he goes and works at the red hook bar yeah instead of the the, the charcuterie shop yeah i thought that was really great even you 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 play in bands you've made and produced indie music what would it mean to like upload a song and then the next day hear it on like a indie playlist that spotify puts together uh, it simply does not happen so you think that every band is on like it never happens no, I mean, I don't think any, it, it never happens. I think that like, and and I specifically like to the outside world, I make indie music and then like I make independent music that we don't have a really have well, record label. The American label Train Collective, it was that same sort of style as what we heard. Uh, Yeah. And that would be more likely to get, that stuff would be more likely to get put on a random Spotify playlist than like Drop the Girl music. Right. Just because like that's sort of the, the, the music scene and we're expected to just kind of off and go away and mind our own business more so than than actual like indie rock i you know i've been i've been cycling as a music fan i uh i generally don't like the genre that we heard in this movie but that's like oh i do i i mean i love all the songs and i thought they were fantastic and i've actually really been on a kick of listening to music like this um i even re-listened to folklore the other day and i liked it better than i previously did but it's so long good god taylor well it's an album writes it's a long album yeah she does write long albums it's a long album she got a lot of songs every time god yeah, all of her albums are long. I realized that. I, I don't think I. I don't think I realized how many songs Taylor has. A written. lot, a many, a lot, a many, many a track. Yeah. Uh, 
But I've been so listening I'm, to this I'm, type of music more lately, so I'm a I huge totally stan of Taylor Swift's producer Jack Antonoff, formerly of the fan Bunt or the band Fun, and now of the band Bleachers. You hear it much more in folklore than you do. I guess is this his first project with her? No, he I did. Hear, uh, he did folklore. He did um, Lover. He did 1989. He did Reputation. Okay, I hear Fun more in folklore than any of the other ones. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's there in uh, in certain songs on the other albums, especially if, if mm-hmm. you're familiar with what to look for. Right. You go listen to Out of the Woods from 1989, you'll hear it. I believe it. Um, Out of the Woods is way overrated, though. Just so I'm a huge, I'm a huge Bleachers fan. Bleachers did a lot of music. He actually uh, um, curated the soundtrack f- and, and and contributed to the soundtrack for Love Simon. Nice. Uh, so I'm, I'm a big fan of that like new wave like 80s retro synth pop kind of thing. That's a lot of what we're getting here in this movie. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I like the yeah. music that like and that music would be instantly more successful than the music that I put out. Uh, but usually you got to still got to know somebody. Right. Like you don't just get to you generally don't just get to like get discovered like that. So late in the movie, uh, Nick Offerman is like setting up an amp right before the show and someone's in the store and says, oh, who's playing? And he's like, oh, we're not a band. Is the guy that he's talking to there? Is that somebody Uh uh-huh what the hell is his name hang on he's like a indie musician right yes is he iron and wine or is he he's not iron and wine but i would flip my living if i got on a playlist with iron and wine if i woke up tomorrow and like the good montana was on spotify next to next to iron and wine and spoon that would be a day for ethan (laughs) eshel say that much Uh, when he yeah. says 50,000 people are listening to this song today, is that an accurate number? Is it like 2 million or is it like 10,000? It could be it could be 10,000, it could be uh 50,000, it could be a million, who knows. No idea. Okay. Don't nobody really knows how Spotify works, right? Like it right. is the great enigma of our time. It works well, I can tell you that much. Jeff Tweedy is his name. He's from Wilco, if I remember correctly. Hang on. Is Wilco, like, mentioned in the movie or something? No. Okay. One of the things I like about this movie... Yeah, uh, Wilco, yeah. So he uh, he is the musician that... Do you remember Parks and Rec? Yeah, I, I'm familiar. When they do the Pawnee Unity concert, the season six, the, the original finale, he's the guy that Andy, like, freaks out about. He's the singer of Land Ho, Pawnee's famous rock band, like, reunites <laughs> for the Pawnee Unity concert. That's Jeff Tweedy from Wilco. Okay. So... What is... Is Wilco a band that I would know? Uh, I don't think so. No, are they good? Yeah, they right. produce this kind of music. They, I mean, they, they're, they're like indie rock legends. Well, there we go. Um, it's not my favorite stuff. One of the things I like about this movie that we're covering is because it is so indie where it was like, it was at South by Southwest and it was at uh, Sundance and it had like a limited release in major theaters. Uh, is that there's like no trivia for it on no. IMDb. Which is and weird I, because I've thought about this movie so often since it came out. Yeah. Like I think about, I remember when I saw the preview, I was like, oh, I gotta go see that movie. It's Nick Offerman playing in it in like a music movie. I gotta go see that. And yeah. I didn't. I was still living in Newport News and this was like the height of the movie pass was falling apart era. Yeah. So I just was. didn't go. And then like, I've just thought about it like every three months since then. I've been like, oh man, I gotta watch that Nick Offerman movie. I I mean, I, I love this movie. Uh, so I'm happy that we're covering it here on Bacon and Eggs. Uh, I, since this movie has come out, I remember seeing it the first time and meeting Ted Danson's character and being like, what a kind of charismatic, weird guy and not really knowing who Ted Danson is. And this is so embarrassing for me that I, I really learned about Ted Danson from The Good Place. Uh, oh, as did I, as did most people our age. And anybody that says, anybody that's 27 years old and says they watch Ted Danson, he was in Cheers, right? Yeah. He was the bartender in Cheers. Anybody who's our age that says they watch Ted Danson in Cheers is lying. Right. Because when that and, old and dude so, came up as, as Michael in The Good Place, they were like, oh, who's this charismatic old white guy? Yeah. 
And then maybe they went back and watched Cheers. But so anyway, I think Ted Danson is fantastic. And actually, it's one of those things where I'm really like hesitant to say that because Ted Danson is a name I've known my entire life. Same. But I'm but it's one of those things where it's like, do I know this name because he like beat his wife in 2003? Or do I know this name just because he was the bartender in Cheers? Why do I know this name? Actually, I can tell you why I know this name. In the song Vanilla Ice Cream by Stephen Lynch, he is noted as liking black women. He's just he is to a like, certain extent. He is like a name, right? Like, he's just Ted yes. Danson, right? You just know who Ted Danson is. And maybe it's because I think that, I, in my mind, I conflate him and Tony Danza. I don't really know who Tony Danza is, but I know they're both names that I know. Yeah, I don't know who Tony Danza is either. Um, I do, th- I, I also... I've seen him in some movies when he was younger. Um, I have watched several episodes of Cheers, or a few of them, uh, and I've seen a few episodes of... My mom used to watch Becker, uh, which was a TV show where, where Ted Danson played a doctor, I think. But, like, it, it, I know him from The Good Place. Like, he's he's Michael, he's Michael. from The Good yeah. Place. Uh, I'm watching season four of The Good Place right now. Finish, I'm finishing about up to, for the first about time. to watch season four. I, uh... Oh, you haven't finished it? No, I never. So I, I started watching it earlier this year, right? Like right when season four was finishing on NBC. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went to watch episode one, season four, episode one on like the NBC streaming app. Yeah. And I watched season four, episode one, and then went to watch episode two the next day. And they were like, ah, we took season four off NBC streaming. Huh. <laughs> you can only watch like the last three episodes. And I was like, well, shoot. Shoot, so they finally put it on Netflix, it just and now I'm, I'm watching it on Netflix. Yeah, I have not finished it just yet. I took a, took a break from it. I uh, a lot of people say that it it was like four seasons of perfection. Uh, I don't I don't feel that way. I really I I really enjoy it. I think it's a great show. I do enjoy it. I think it's a great show. I just don't think it's four perfect seasons. Is all. Um, uh, it's four. It's three. As far as I know, it's it's three pretty good seasons. Like I can't really fault. Like they all have a conducive beginning, middle, and end nothing really goes off the rails. It sort of keep it in a pretty tight bubble the whole time. And people are pretty happy with the fact that they were just like, we're going to do four seasons and quit. Like, we're not going to drag this on forever until it doesn't make sense. I think it'd be very sense. hard to drag it on forever because because of the nature of the show, it very quickly could go off the rails. Sure. Or it could get boring. Right. Uh, and I, mean, I think it's managed to do neither, right? Like, you might think it's, I don't really think it's boring. I don't really think it's gotten boring. I think they've managed to keep it interesting for three and a half seasons. Uh, I'm curious to see what the finale is. I've heard it's a very emotional sort of finale. Um, I know that, that with The Office and with Parson Rec, Michael Schur did a good job of making me cry several times at the end of his TV shows. Uh, but I'm not I'm not a Brooklyn Nine Nine fan. I don't I really don't enjoy it. Yeah, I uh, so, and I, I think actually, my time so, of watching The Office is over. Yeah, somebody was like The Office goes off Netflix at the end of November or something, and I was like, oh, thank God. Now I've never <laughs> been I've never one of those people that's like, oh, I finished season 13 episode 26 of the office i'm gonna start season one episode one of the office no right like i've seen it all the way through i think twice i probably about the same i know that like the very final few seasons i may have never seen i don't know i know that it gets like i know i've seen the finale or at least close to the finale i've seen all of them for sure because Um, i i I don't i've never seen the reveal that it's a documentary i have yeah okay I, Um, i just don't care though I can't be bothered. But like I, so I, I watched it when it was on originally, and at some point I stopped watching it. Right. Well, yeah, because it was long. Yeah, because it was years. It was many. It was thirteen years. Right. right. Like I stopped watching TV at some point uh, and started watching Netflix instead. And then I watched it. I think all the way through once on Netflix, and I watched most of it with Kate. And then we stopped. We uh, we're about to finish. No, we're doing Grays right now. Yeah. Uh, and then we do this one every so often. I'm not really like, I have no idea what's going on. I, I vaguely recognize the characters. I don't think I could tell you any of their names that are currently in the show. I got really invested around season seven, I think. And then everybody started dying. Everybody cared about started dying like or leaving. Right. Until it was just like just Meredith and, and, 
a couple other people left and i was like ah you're the people i never really liked it's just not even about meredith she's like never in it it is at some point <laughs> it does eventually get to be about meredith at some point because they've killed everybody else right uh schitt's creek is the one that we recently watched oh you, you've been is... watching schitt's creek you've never told anybody yeah it's so good i just have to share that with the world constantly you at watched all times schitt's creek you have to watch it it's amazing i've never seen a clip from it that makes me want to watch it legitimately oh it's like so it's good. one of those things that people are like they'll share clips and be like this is the funniest thing i've ever seen and it's that clip of of Eugene Levy being like, that's not a tax write-off. That's not a tax write-off. That's not a tax. And he's like, well, why don't they call it a tax write-off? He's like, they do. And I'm like, that's not funny. Well, the joke is that they keep saying write-off, right? And okay, whatever. I've seen the clip. It's not funny. I don't find oh, it, it funny. funny. It's And it's definitely not like, oh my God, this is the funniest television moment ever. No, it's not. I would say that's a really low, low caliber joke for uh, what Dan and Eugene write for the bulk of the show. I mean, I love Eugene Levy. I do. Um... I've seen him in many things and really enjoyed him in many things. It's just like, I keep seeing clips from that show and people being like, this is peak comedy. And I'm like, it's not though. It's so good. I'm sure I it is, it but, so the, but 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 the, 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 the unwashed masses of the internet seem <laughs> to think, seem to have a different opinion about what's funny than I do. From, uh, but from, I want to talk about Hearts Beat Loud. Okay. Uh, these songs in the movie, do they make a playlist for you? Like, do they make it to an Ethan playlist? Um, I do not particularly like the whatever the love song is called it's short it's so short it's just like the whole it sounds way different from all the rest of them and she wrote it right I guess but she wrote the other it sounds way too. different in a way that i'm not really like it doesn't jive with the band to me at least i don't know i'm not a fan of that one but i like some of the other ones um i, I would have to listen to them i guess to decide if they actually make a playlist or like get on a list or something like actually really be like okay this is what they're saying oh is that a big part of it for you i'm a lyrics guy yeah for sure well, i'm a lyrics guy too but i don't listen to the mountain goats because i identify with like somebody standing in my doorway with a gun uh, going to George is a very complicated song. Uh, there's many, many layers to that one. Um, I listen to the Mountain Goats for the lyrics. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I definitely listen to the Mountain Goats for the lyrics, but not because I'm like, oh, I so identify and relate to this. It's I'm not talking like, about identifying or relating. It's just like, if, if, for it to make a playlist, it's got to be something that I can like, I can sing along to and want to sing along to and enjoy the writing. And it's not something I usually pick up on the first go for me to like really connect with it. So that's actually one of my big critiques of this film here is as somebody who likes lyrics, the way that this music is written, the lyrics are completely lost on me. Like as soon as the song starts, I'm just sort of like experiencing the auditory part part of it Same, and yeah. not and not at all like the message that they're trying to convey which i'm sure would give me another couple layers of appreciation for the for the story and for the film uh i would like this, to go back and this... watch it and like have a, a, a them written out yeah and just pause like when she writes the song pause and be like okay this is what she's saying and like really get because i think it's one of those things where like this movie doesn't offer you a lot right like this is this is there's not a you gotta want it right they don't dumb this one down for you and this is why i and tend to sort of relate to movies like this and and, and watch movies like this more is because i i want to kind of have to like dig into it a little bit and so it's kind of hard for me to love these movies as much on the first pass sometimes because mm -hmm. like this is a movie where nothing really happens right man closes record shop right man closes record shop he, he doesn't really fight with the daughter like she's not like like adopted you know there's not there's not a break there right it doesn't it doesn't follow normal storytelling sort of conventions in really any way which i like yeah same <clears throat> but it makes it harder to be like oh this is the best movie i've ever seen the first time i see it you know it's yeah. the same deal like the first time i watched Lady Bird, i was like eh, i don't really get the hype i haven't seen Lady Bird because i'm afraid of the hype the hype is real it's a great movie but it takes you a minute i don't know man people are like little women's amazing <laughs> okay. yeah I, I do think that you're on the wrong side of history on this <laughs> one i truly do i do 
see, that's that's the that's the weird thing about not liking a movie that you know is very good and means a lot to people is like I feel like we run into this trap a lot in this I don't want to say industry, but in this industry, uh, where it's like I know this is good, I appreciate all the acting, I appreciate what this is doing for the industry as a whole. But I just I just didn't like connect with it, and love it the way that everybody else seems to be. But I love that everybody else is connecting with it. I have no issue with people connecting with it and loving it. I'm not watching it like people who connect with this are so stupid. Like I don't yeah, feel no, that for way sure. at all. <laughs> it just seems to come up for you a lot. <laughs> I don't know. It's just one. We were talking about Greta Gerwig and that's true. That's why I thought it. I forgot that Greta Gerwig did Lady Bird for a minute. Yeah. Um, got a bunch of strong female leads. There's some great performances in Little Women. Ah, uh, yeah. Really fantastic. Not from the girl that dies. I, <laughs> she was just there, but <laughs> I really think you should go watch it again. <laughs> I think you might have a deeper appreciation for it the second time. Maybe I may, I may just, I just know there's a scene where, uh, Florence Pugh is like painting something. And I think Timothy Chalamet shows up or somebody shows up and is like, marry me. And she like just goes off on him. And that was one of the, like the first times in theaters where I was like that is right there. We're looking at an Academy Award winning performance right now. Mm, except we didn't. I know. <laughs> oh, but she it lost was to so Laura good. Dern from a different it, movie. It, <laughs> Uh, um, Laura Dern is fantastic. She should be in every film. I think she was in every movie that was released in 2020. Uh, she was in every movie that was released in 2019. <laughs> no, I think in 2020, because there's only like four or five of them. Oh, uh, that's true. So I'm yeah. pretty... <laughs> Oh, I do like Laura Dern. Um, I, I like I like this movie a lot. I do. I feel like I'm being kind of harsh on it because it's just sort of like it's it's never going to be your favorite movie, you know, unless it is your favorite movie. If you really connected with it. Great. I'm sure that there are a lot of people that aren't straight white dudes that were like, this movie makes me feel seen in ways that I never have before. And, and as a straight white man, this movie helps me see you for sure. I um, think this movie's fantastic. We need more gay. Or we need more bi. simple stories about gay people. We do. We where they also, get to just live need more black by uh doctors who are raised by single fathers true yeah i think that's just something in this world that we need more of and i did i did like that like i really enjoyed that they never really fought yeah they have like a really good relationship and like like she's worried about his financial situation in in a way that like an adult would be worried about their partner's financial situation and not in a way that like i feel like a child would be worried about their parent you know well i think once you both go through a loss of that kind at the same time like you it does change the relationship yeah yeah, I think of them much more as like best friends and partners than as like a father daughter. Right. Like like when my the, the the passing of my father has definitely altered the relationship between my mother and I for sure. Um, I actually thought that might be something that that made you connect deeper with this movie, which I, I, I guess I, I was did. Right. But, but it's also from the like this would be the perspective of your mother. Right. And also I wasn't like a child. I guess she is young. She's like, what, 18? She's 18. And, and the mom died in 2006. Yeah. So. 12 years ago. So this is, I don't know if this is, I don't want to say insensitive, but when he walks up to the white bicycle and there's like the sign that's like, you know, a bike rider died here before they show the sign and he's walking up to the white bicycle. It was like, I was like, wow, they put this sort of like weird sort of like surreal art thing in the middle of the movie where we're just going to see like Nick Offerman walk up to a all white bicycle. Oh, I thought the same thing. I thought Nick Offerman was going to have a moment of like connecting with art, right? Right. And then it. Cause he's not being... an art guy. He's a music guy. Right. And he has to learn. To, I, I, I literally, I started spiraling into like the rest of the movie. He's going to like learn to appreciate art through his daughter's eyes. Who's dating this artist. And then it just wasn't that the daughter, Sam, what a fantastic human being all around. 
like an incredibly nice person who has a great relationship with her living parent who is extremely interested in art but is also learning to be a doctor oh and let's not forget she's an incredibly talented musician yeah just like has the gift it's just like good at everything yeah despite like a crappy financial situation uh living in brooklyn of all boroughs god i'm kidding brooklyn's fine i like brooklyn uh, quite a bit uh yeah, i've never I, been I to this too. part of brooklyn to red hook so I know red that, hook is a real place yeah red hook's a real place okay i didn't know that it's um it's like above bay ridge it's like right on the water uh where there's like a, a lot of docks and shipping ports there it's where hp lovecraft moved from when he left providence huh and f- hated it and wrote call of cthulhu about how much he hated black people in brooklyn well yeah turns i learned this recently from john darniel of the mountain goats that hp lovecraft was a terrible person i mean i'm not even a little bit surprised they have a song called lovecraft in brooklyn which absolutely slaps but i did some background research on that and learned that uh hp lovecraft just like was from like new england old money and then the money dried up and then he moved to brooklyn to flatbush where jackie robinson was from to like near ebbets field and then uh he and his wife separated and she moved to cleveland and he had to like move in into like uh he moved in with jackie robinson no he moved Moved in with into like a like a boarding house in Red Hook. Yo, do you remember Hey Arnold? Yeah, like that. They lived in a boarding yeah, house. Yeah, probably a in Brooklyn. That's a concept I forgot existed literally until just now. Brooklyn is uh like huge, like enormous for like way bigger than Manhattan. So when she's like, oh, the trainers don't go to Red Hook. That's like true. It's just on the south part of, of Brooklyn where it's like in southeast or west. I'm not hard I'm not to get to. Like Manhattan Island is pretty small, all things considered. Uh, it's it's bigger than you think it is. Yeah. I mean, Central Park is big. If you walk from the top like, to the bottom, it's going to take you a while. Yeah. I'm, I'm a pretty slow walker, too. I don't believe in fast walking while we're on the topic of, of speed walking. I just I'm a stroller. Like, you know, when 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 the Hamiltons moved uptown, they moved to like 220th Street. It's a lot of streets. And it goes, it keeps going above that. Um, but Brooklyn's just like this massive place. And it's New York. It's hard to get around anywhere. Like if right. you're in a car or whatever, it takes a while. Red Hook Records has a lot of records. You never really been to a record store, have you? I've been to some record stores, have I you? think. Yeah, we had one. You remember you and I used to do, when I was between positions, we would do like full-time days uh, with bacon and eggs. Do you remember this? Yeah. There's a record store there at the at the sort of Creative Commons we worked at. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was. Yep. Well, in, in larger cities than Roanoke, yeah, that's a pretty standard. There would be a few of those. Really? Yeah. And if he was so in pre- Williamsburg, he, he would be rich. Pressed vinyl... Uh, uh, very popular right now. Is that because like I notice it more or has it been popular? No, it has like, experienced a full ass renaissance. Okay. Cause like that, that kicked off. Did it kick off when we were in college or were we entering something that was already part of renaissance? So it never went away. Right. Like, I mean, it, right. it did sort of like, you're probably not going to find, uh, the first no strings attached by sync on vinyl. Right. Like it definitely went away in that time period, uh, for, for like, pop bands like like pop music didn't really do vinyl um but like every taylor swift record has come out on vinyl well and anymore i feel like anymore every record comes out on vinyl well yeah because why would they make a cd they still come out on cds people still buy cds people a lot of people still buy cds i i thought people bought like indie band cds because it was easy to burn a cd um no i mean you can't really sell burn cds anymore people try to buy them you just have you know you just buy cds like you just buy a bunch of cds it's very cheap no i know but like that's what i mean like when you sell drop the girl cds you guys just plug those into a computer right no burn 
the no. music onto it? No, we just we just pay somebody to do that. Okay, but that's how they're made. I mean, yeah, on a massive scale, though. Okay. Hmm. Like, there's not somebody at, at CDBaby.com, like, burning each drop the girl's CD. I don't know. I, I figured, if you guys had 50 of them, I figured it would be perfectly reasonable for Michael to do that in an afternoon. Uh, yeah, but then you gotta, like, gotta print them and everything. I don't... I, I don't know how it works. I yeah. I wholly believe that you are correct that you just hire somebody to do this. That is not a service I know exists. Yeah, 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 100%. You just go to you go to a website and you buy CDs and you get like 150 for $100. Okay. And then you sell them for like 10 bucks a pop. Yeah. Well, it's hard to sell CDs for $10. People don't really, really want CDs. I thought you just said people buy CDs. People don't also, really buy my, indie band CDs. <laughs> my understanding was that you weren't buying the indie band CD because you were like, "Man, I need these guys record." No, they'll, you were they'll they're more to likely to just buy a t-shirt band. or something. Oh, but that's okay. why vinyl is so cool is because it is it is the best of both worlds it is a merchandise item and it is also a music medium right but like a, a lot of people will buy vinyl and never own a record player at this point i believe that 110 percent. i've been wanting to bust out my my old my old uh turntable my old victrola but like so take this for example because this is this goes all the way up the chain now is this was an idea that bands started doing <sighs> maybe 10 years ago, where they would put out a bunch of different versions of the vinyl. There'd be like a pink one and a blue one and a green one, and a splatter one. And and you would sell, you know, a hundred of the pink ones and a hundred of the blue ones and 50 of the splatters and 250 of the turquoise, right? You just manufacture this, this scarcity of all of them. And then they then they sell out quicker, even though you you still have a bunch of them. And you could be like, oh well, the mm, the turquoise and the pink are gone. We've still got a blue. I mean, if you really want a blue, you idiot. But then some people will buy all ten, right? And that's ten records. Right. So like, you can buy a folklore by Taylor Swift in like ten different variants. And a real collector has ten different variants. Correct. I don't have the very all the variants of anything. I don't have. I have. I think Trolls World Tour on vinyl. No, <coughs> the original Trolls. Okay. So. That's the original. That's Trolls. Trolls. That's just Trolls. Yeah. It's not Trolls yeah. World Tour. No, it's the original. That's one. your only vinyl? <laughs> no, I have a bunch of vinyl. Well, oh. a bunch. I probably have, I don't know, 10. I actually, 10 while I was doing, they were watching this movie, I, I finished plugging all my records into Discogs. What does that mean? It's like letterboxed for records. Oh, 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 oh yes. I did know what that was. I've, I've been on such a website. And you can like buy and sell records on there. That's where I Do found you... out whether or not a uh, freaking Abandoned Ship or Ben All Hope was available for you. Yes. It's not. <laughs> I thought we found it. Yeah, I mean, there's a few. <laughs> There's three or four. They're all over they're $100. Not, yeah, they're not cheap. No. I have like five or six records that, that are in the, the $100 club. Would you? So would you sell them? Would you no. go on Letterboxd and be like, no. okay. No, I'm not going to sell them. I, I usually, I didn't pay $100 for any of them. I've never paid more than like 30 uh, I think I paid 35 for Fine Line by Harry Styles, but that's just what it costs. Do you, you listen to a lot of vinyl, right? Do you? Mm -hmm. Do you put, do you put a disc on? I put a record on. Yeah. A record on. Uh, What, what do you listen to? I feel like vinyl has a very like sort of, I love the warmth that comes from the needle. Yeah. I think there's a certain je ne sais quoi to it. There's definitely, it's a lot of X Factor. Yeah. Um, Because like when you listen to Trolls, right? And it's a bunch of pop songs and you're yeah. listening to Anna Kendrick sing I will get back up again, like the original song for the movie. It's like, this doesn't match the warmth that I was looking for with the vinyl. Do you find yourself listening to more of like sort of jazz and the Mountain Goats and... I have one Mountain Goats record, just the uh, just the, the new one. And and Folklore and... Um, I do not own Folklore. But Folklore would be a great, uh, great album to put on vinyl. I'm sure she did. Yeah, she did. I just told you that. <laughs> yeah, so... No, but not to put on vinyl, for like to put on as a vinyl. Yeah. To sit like, down and like, watch like... It's an experience, right? Like you, ideally you want to have like a cup of hot coffee and you want it to be raining and you want to just sit next to a window. Right. Like the ideal atmosphere for listening to a vinyl is a coffee shop, but you can't just do that. Right, because the coffee shop owner is like, ah, I got to switch sides after You do have 18, to switch sides. Um, 18 minutes of this. Yeah. And sometimes you get albums by the Mountain Goats and they're four sides because it's a double LP and you got to switch it 
Four times. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. It comes on two records. It's not just a cube. (laughs) And you're sending your barista out there, obviously. (laughs) I don't know what you thought when I said four sides. When they scratched records in like hip hop clubs, what a bonkers thing, man. Well, that was back when that was the only medium, right? Like that would be like you going out and buying a bunch of dollar CDs from Goodwill and just like throwing them away, like just breaking them, right? Like it's nothing. It doesn't matter. Oh, but it does. Vinyl's not cheap. Even then i can't imagine it was like it was cheap then really yeah well especially because you, you would usually use records that like they would use records that had some sort of imperfection or well they certainly did afterwards yeah <laughs> like and that's how a lot of those samples were created is they would just pick hip-hop producers to pick random you know like doo-wop records from the 50s and just get them from from thrift stores and pawn shops and stuff just be like okay i'm gonna buy a, a crate of random records right and they would you know, make samples out of them like that's how songs like empire state of mind came to be is like you know jay-z's producer whoever was making that that song listening to a song by the meters from 1949 being like man this piano slaps <laughs> New York. it's like you think about uh what that that uh that sax lick from party on fifth ave by mac miller had to go through before it got to mac miller oh i know it was like dj cool used it for let me clear my throat and it was like two things before that yeah I like records. I like buying records. I like owning records. I like record stores. I like going to record stores. You don't feel like a little bit like... Like, record store owner strikes me as the same as, like, gatekeeper comic book owner, comic book shop owner, where it's like, you got, like, you can't go into a record store and be like, hey, I would like a Beatles album. Like, that guy is like, wow, you suck. Okay, cool. They're Some of them there. will. Some of them will. Some of them won't. Okay. Uh, but this is the same with, yeah, comic book shop is the same as, like, going to, like, a, like a you know, craft beer bar and getting a Bud Light. Like, <laughs> like if the, bar- the barista, the beerista is a dick to you, then just leave, man. Just don't go back to that bar right like so you think it's the same with the record shop where if you go in and you're like hey i do like re- like i like cool records i can tell you it's the same personally from experience it's the same with the record shop yeah it, it, in some ways it's worse and you can usually tell what kind of dude you're dealing with when you go into the record shop. so like do, how do you qualify that if you really are looking for a beatles record like do you walk in and be like hey i need a mountain goats record and a beatles record or is it like well you wow. usually don't so so it's not like a coffee shop right like they don't just you can't just you, you can just go find the records right but i mean like i was at barnes and noble the other day and i was looking for an anthology of sherlock holmes books i wanted actually i didn't even care if it was an anthology i was willing to buy individual stories but they're really short so they don't usually put them in their own books anyway i'm familiar (laughs) uh so i was looking in mysteries and thrillers for under c for conan doyle and then i was looking under d for doyle and i was looking under s for sir arthur conan doyle and i was looking under a it's just not in that section right so eventually i had to go to like the front of the store where i knew they had the leather bound versions but i don't want a leather bound version because i want to fold the pages back and I want to mark in it. Didn't uh, you buy a leather bound version? I bought, they have, I don't know if they currently have two different leather bound versions. There have been at least two different leather bound versions. Uh, one that had like a hardback and then mine, which is more like a Bible where ah. it has like, where it's still like bendy. I can tell you at some point they've done more than two leather bound versions of the Sherlock Holmes stories. Yes. <laughs> and actually it's still incomplete. There's there's uh, way more of those books than I thought. Anyway, they weren't in the section that I thought they would be in. So I feel like the record shop, I would go in and I'd be like, oh, B, where is the Beatles? And the guy would be like, are you looking for the Beatles? It's in the basic bitch over here. Well, you want one? Yeah, I bet you do. They sell it at Barnes and Noble, loser. Get out. You kick me out because I want one by the Beatles and I want to support this local record shop. Uh, Yeah, most people, most record shop owners are not going to be dicks like that. Most of them. And if you go to a record store like that, just just don't. But you'll you'll be able to tell like r- record stores. There's no Barnes and Noble of record stores anymore, right? Like FYE's closed across the country pretty much. That's a dead medium. 
more so than books are. Uh, so most record stores are like independent record stores, right? And you'll know when you go in them, you'll know if it's a comfy environment or not. I do also feel like they deal in genres, right? Where to a broad extent. Yeah. Like if I feel like the record store that we went into, I really like, uh, like eighties jazz records. I like, like Maynard Ferguson. That that's going to be in jazz. Right. So I go into the record shop that we had downtown where you and I were hanging out and it just wasn't that kind of music. Like there was no jazz there. Yeah, it's not a very big record shop. Right. I know it was pretty small, but if I wanted the Maynard Ferguson record, he didn't have those. Red Hook Records has Maynard Ferguson Records, for sure. You think so? Yeah. Okay. For sure. Especially New York, you gotta have jazz. Yeah. Especially Brooklyn, because you're gonna get old people walking in and being like, yeah, let me get some Maynard Ferguson. I saw Maynard Ferguson <laughs> play at a club here in Brooklyn 45 yeah, years ago. Say, like... Uh, can I get like the Dave Brubeck quartet? Can I get that at any record shop? I think you'll be able to get whatever record Unsquare Dance by Dave Brubeck came off of uh, almost any record store in America. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what that is. I think you'll be able to get Bitches Brew by Miles Davis at most record if stores. If I go, okay. If I go into the record store and I say, hey, can I get Bitches Brew by Miles Davis? So they're like, wow, it's over with the Beatles records, loser. No, I don't think they are. <laughs> But also like most, yeah, most record stores. So here's the deal with record stores is they're a lot different from bookstores uh, in that like a lot of times they don't know what they got. Well, because they don't catalog It's more it, like right? a they used just... bookstore where, where you'll be like, hey, can I get a copy of this? They're like, I have no idea. I'll help you maybe, find it. Maybe. Maybe. I went into, uh, speaking of used bookstores, uh, I was very proud of myself. I went into our used bookstore in Roanoke, one of them anyway. And I uh, wanted a collector's edition of AML novels, Winnie the Pooh. And yeah. I got them. Uh, I've got a full unopened collector's set. That's funsies. I know. And they have a leather bound one at Barnes and Noble, and I want to get that too because mine is not leather bound. Um, yeah, you go to a record store, and you'll there'll usually be a new and used section, and there'll be genres within the new and used. used but they're fairly records. broad. Like you're not going to be like, oh, can I get just Canadian jazz? Can I get the Brass Five? Probably not. <laughs> the Brass Five is our local brass band. Can, can I, I get, get the Canadian Brass? Canadian Brass is what I meant. <laughs> brass Five played at my wedding. <laughs> can I get Ronald Rom and the Canadian Brass? <laughs> can I get Ronald Rom and the Canadian Brass? That's no, what I want. Probably That's not. what I'm here for. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. I I don't have I have no idea. Honestly, I don't really usually look for that type of stuff when I'm in. Um, I'm looking for mostly new records, newer records. What are you looking for when you walk in and say, can I get folklore? Are they like, yeah, she's over there with the Beatles. It's a, yeah. <laughs> if I go into a record store in America right now and I want folklore by Taylor Swift, it's on the rack. There's a rack, right? right. Where they're not, they're not in the shelves. They're not in the boxes. They're on the rack. Right. Because they want to sell it. Right. And they have 45 right. copies. Right. Yeah. So, like, I just go in and grab folklore. But they also don't want to sell it, right? Like, when you walk up, you also have to have, like, a really cool record, right? No, I just go buy stuff. Like, what about the judgment of the guy working there? I don't understand. I just don't care what he thinks. I care what he thinks. You know what? If he's weird, I will do the thing and be like, I'll get this on Amazon right in front of you, you dick. (laughs) I would do do that to somebody. If they were trying to hassle me about what I was buying, I would absolutely stand there and be like, right outside their door and be like, I'm buying this. I'm giving Jeff Bezos money instead of you, you this is why he's such a good businessman. 100%, yeah, because Jeff Bezos doesn't judge you for buying 14 copies of Fifty Shades of Grey. No, he doesn't. He just sells you 14 Most copies of Most record stores in America will probably sell you the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack. You know, honestly, it gets a lot of flack. It'd be a great record. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's got uh, Earned It by The Weeknd. Yeah. That song slaps. Uh, yeah, I got a, I've got a list of stuff that I'm looking for in any record store in America. Uh, I just I just knocked off a copy of something off of my... I have a want list on, on Discogs, like a, like, a, like a wish list, and and it tells me if it comes up for sale on Discogs. Really? And I got an e- email that was like, hey, we have a uh, we have a near mint copy of Home Like No Places There by the Hotelier on sale right now for $25. And I was like, that's a steal. I, all 
of those were new words to me. I'm sure it was. <laughs> what does 25 mean? I don't know what that is. Uh, this is a number that comes after 24. It's an amount of money, <laughs> amount of American currency. Uh, this, that was a steal for this particular record, which normally sells for about 200. Oh, nice. So somebody gonna, was an idiot. Are you going to scalp it? Are you going to resell? No, I'm going to listen to it. I don't, I'm not doing the reselling thing. Yeah, I'm the same way with my collectible items. I just buy them. The only, so I have a couple, I have, I have a couple duplicates of records that my friends have made. Or if there's like a deal where it's like a bundle where you get like two different color variants, I'll usually buy that sometimes. But for the most part, I have one copy of all my records. How many, how many ballpark it? How many records do you have? Uh, like ones that I've purchased specifically. So I have a couple criteria. I usually no, no, won't. No, no, no. How many discs of vinyl are in your possession? Like at my apartment? Yeah. Well, cause this is a complicated question right because i have because you inherited a bunch i inherited hundreds right like you there's, want you want rumors by fleetwood mac i think i've got four of them i do yeah yeah i can get I you a that. copy of that from my my kitchen i would like yeah okay hold on let me make a few requests you have ronald rom and the canadian <laughs> no i don't <laughs> i sure do, you have, do not do you have manor ferguson no do you okay well, you really, I'll, I'll, I'll take rumors by Fleetwood Mac. We'll call it a day. <laughs> uh, at my apartment, I have probably a hundred. And you think you've purchased all of those? Are you have been? No, I have not like purchased all of those. I took, when I moved, I took a select few. Did you take rumors by Fleetwood Mac? I did. Yeah. That's a good call. So rumors by Fleetwood Mac. I took, um, I took Boston by Boston. It's got more than a feeling on it. Yeah. I took every Billy Joel album I could find. I took every Beatles album I could find. I took every good, John album I could find. Every time when you walk into the record shop, you don't have to be like, do you have one by the Beatles? I don't have to be like, do you have one by the Beatles? Um... <laughs> I've just got the originals. I've got Rubber Soul and Let It Be and, uh, and, and, and I don't know the names of them. The Beatles albums are so complicated. Because they put out like a gazillion well, of them. But they they also put out like did. a gazillion and they were still sort of inventing the concept of the album at that point. Right. Uh, and the Beatles and were, were like the first band to like make it in two countries at the same time. Beatles are fascinating. They have a great history. For a band that like, I really like Beatles music, but I'm not like a Beatles stan. I, I do think that their story. It's extremely is, complicated. It's extremely complicated and extremely interesting. Yeah. Um, they yeah, they they really invented a lot of the. They didn't invent it, but like the right. The, re the recording industry, the music industry really bent around them in a way that it had never done before. Right. Um, and so like, you, even with the, you know, shortly after that, even with the Rolling Stones, like, you know what you're getting, right? Like, you know what songs are on Exile on Main Street. Like, that that was an album. It came out as an album. Right. But if you, if you get, like, Meet the Beatles, that has different songs on it depending on what country you bought it from. That's cool. <laughs> like, I don't actually know what album Love Me Do came out on. Me neither. Couldn't tell you. We're gonna be getting an email from somebody who owns a record shop be like, wow, don't come into my record shop after asking for Beatles albums. Yeah, and know that guy album. will get, I, you know what? If we get that email, let me respond. I got this one. <laughs> you don't know what album Love Me Do came I will on? I will Google, uh, what the hell is the name of that song? If I say anything. Um, admit it. Admit it, yeah. I'll just Google the lyrics <laughs> of that and post it and paste it into the fucking... Um, but no, so I have purchased, I think, well, I could tell you, because I, I don't, I haven't uh, cataloged the classic ones that I have in my Discogs. So I could tell you how many, how many discs I have that I have like, purchased uh 70 it looks like you've purchased 70 okay yeah you have you've probably put more money into that hobby than i have into the pokemon trading card game i've been doing this for 10 or 11 years now yeah i've been doing this for like 10 weeks 11 weeks i try so. to only buy colorful records too i don't really want to buy a black you. disc anymore yeah i think that's i think that's a you know it's a young man's game oh for sure but like that i, I just dude like just them. emailed us and was like wow i if you use colorful records you're dead to me well that's fine i've got a copy of one by the beatles that's a red and yellow you can have <laughs> the only compilation album that i would want on vinyl is songs you know by heart 
by Jimmy Buffett. That's the only compilation album? That's the only one. I wouldn't want one by the Beatles. I would, I'd take one by the Beatles. I'm sure I have it, actually. That's a pretty confident record. You can get it at Barnes Noble. I have the uh, CD. I know that I had the CD. It was in my dad's car. And I remember we watched the Today Show on like or Good Morning America on like January 2nd, 2010. And it was like the most popular record sold in the past 10 years is won by the Beatles. And yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, we, we grew up in the era of, and, and definitely, you know, when we were starting to buy our own records, our own CDs. Uh, just, why would you not just buy a Beatles record or CD? No, it's not even that. It's like we grew up in the era of the greatest hits record, right? Yeah. Because like I had CD one was... by the Beatles. I had Mothership by Led Zeppelin, which is all the Led Zeppelin songs. I had the Van Halen collection. Songs You Know By Heart. Songs You Know By Heart, which was older than that. But, Alan um, Jackson's Greatest Hits Volume 2. I had 50 number ones by George Strait. You could, if you watch TV long enough, they would advertise Greatest Hits yeah. albums. <laughs> the greatest love songs of the past 20 years. <laughs> yeah, the country ones too that were just like, you can get songs by Shania Twain, Clint <laughs> Black. <laughs> this has been mostly about music. This 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 movie is absolutely fantastic honestly honestly you should go watch it it's a good it's a good 90 minutes of movie um it is a long 90 minutes it's a long 90 minutes of movie because nothing really happens yeah uh he gets what is what is what do you think of the landlady uh she's all right she kisses him and then she looks like oh this is my boyfriend ryan she's kind of gross i feel like we see her with a bunch of different dudes ted dancing could if ted dancing handed me a bot an unmarked bottle and said this is rum and it's a very good rum. I would be like, it's not. It's not how I've experienced liquor in my I life. I would never leave that bar. I would. I, that <laughs> I would, would be my <laughs> cheers. I'd be there every day just to listen to that dude talk. Yes. Uh, so, so the dude's like, I went up to Woodstock and smoked a bunch of weed. So, where we come from, uh, people drink wine and they have a lot of opinions on wine. People drink bourbon and have a lot of opinions on bourbon and whiskey and that whole sort of echelon of liquor. Uh, do people do the same thing with tequila and rum? Is there like, yeah, there there are people like that. Is there like, is there? I know that there's people like that. We do that with whiskey, beer, wine, right? That's like a, at least this part of the state thing. If I go to Brooklyn, is it like a cultural thing that like this is good rum, this is bad rum? This is like you're really tasting something here versus like this rum make you burn less. I this can tell you they you invented more. craft beer in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. So probably not. He does drink. He drinks the Brooklyn brews or whatever they're called. Yeah, that sucks. You don't like it? That, oh, man. That brewery is get, so overrated. I mean, it's. I would agree that it's overrated, but when we used to go to total wine i would always get at least one or sure two i mean them. it's fine but like that was that was early days there's a lot of breweries that don't really exist anymore that we used to drink a lot of stuff from or at least like i used 21st to first amendment yeah <laughs> we drank a lot of beer back in the day yeah a lot of craft beer a lot of craft i still drink a lot of craft beer i'm drinking more right now than i usually do not this minute i don't have one on me me either uh i might for the hash browns but i don't think i have any beer i have, I have old uh, milwaukee ah, i bought that that was because we wanted seamus to experience something truly american <laughs> um no i i think that there are definitely i think you you could probably somewhere in new york probably in manhattan probably not in brooklyn i think you'd find a rum bar so okay but it definitely you, wouldn't you were, look like that when you were in florida when you were in my in in uh key west for a week on vacation so if you yeah. clearly got the uh local culture yes down to a down to a t uh definitely not a total tourist the entire time uh like i guess even as a tourist this would work were there like bars you could go to where you could buy like a 150 dollar shot of rum uh, i have no idea because that is not a thing here well so you can, we don't you can buy really bourbon. make rum here right we don't grow a lot of sugar cane right 
in America. Right. Right. Like, like we we do craft things that we can do. So like in Virginia, you'll find a lot of whiskey and a lot of gin. Gin. Ooh. Hey, where can you get a hundred and fifty dollar shot of gin? I mean, it's not a shot at that point, right? It's a it's a, it's a drink. Yeah. It's a drink. But <laughs> I don't think you can get a hundred fifty dollar shot at a drink of gin. I'm not a hundred percent certain you get a hundred fifty dollar bottle of gin without going like like the bottle is more expensive than the 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 uh liquor hmm. type of thing. Like there's an uh, there is a top shelf. There's a ceiling. I think especially with clear liquor but there's a ceiling with things that most things that aren't whiskeys okay like you can really only pay so much for vodka well because that's what like like you can barrel age rum like that's how you get golden rum yeah uh but you can't barrel age vodka that would be gross no there's only so good you can make vodka and gin's kind of the same way and i'm sure they're out there uh tequila especially as well barrel age tequila yeah tequila is more of a craft i do know like we have a a tequila Ria. Is that what it's called? We have it like a tequila tasting room here in Rona. Yeah. Where you can get like a hundred dollar shot yeah. of tequila. But like it's definitely not anywhere to the, the extent that like scotch especially is. Yeah. Where like you can, you know, you can go buy a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle for seventeen hundred dollars. Yeah. Like your local liquor store will just get it for you. You know, our local liquor store will not get eighteen hundred for eighteen hundred dollars. Uh-uh. Like, I think you, you you can get some stuff that's better than Patron, but, like, not much. No, and you're still in that same conversation. You're, you're still under $100. Patron is not $100. Patron is over $100. No, it's not. For, like, a handle of Patron? For I a handle, yeah. Handle. Yeah, that's... Is that not what people deal in? That's no. what we were buying no. in college? <laughs> no, you're... you're you would never bought a handle of Patron. No, 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 no. We were not that bougie. But we were buying handles. But I'm of, thinking of price per bottle. So like your normal 750 bottle. 750 is what you're calling a bottle. Same as like a wine. Yes, that's what okay. a bottle is. I don't know. What's a fifth? Uh, 350, I think. Why? It's a fifth of a gallon or something. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I, it's the little one. It's the 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 boot size, I believe. Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, when I when I'm thinking of a like the usually because usually the comparable price is between the 750. All that to say, I'm I whole I to- wholeheartedly miss this thing about the rum too in this movie. If you're if he offers him fancy rum, I miss that entirely. Oh yeah, he he's got like this. You know when you go to a fancy restaurant and they serve you water out of like a resealable wine glass. Yeah, yeah. He's got like a bottle like that that he says is full of rum. Okay. And he pours it into wine goblets for them because he says this is for savoring. Okay. And then he takes a shot of it and it's sort of this like, uh, like contradictory sort of, sort of moment. He has a lot of really fantastic lines where he, he like dishes out what he can't take. I think he's a well-written character. I think he's fantastic. I do too. I probably wouldn't go to that bar. I would be scared to death of that bar. That yeah. bar is not for tourists. That bar is for locals. Um, and they wouldn't, They w- it's not that they would be like mean to me. They wouldn't know what to do with me. Like I'd walk in and I'd be like, hi, I would like a Budweiser, please. And I would be like, we don't, you don't order Budweiser here. I think you do order Budweiser there. Fine. I would be like, hi, I'd like a Brooklyn I Shiner. think most people probably order Budweiser at that bar <laughs> or Bud Light. Some sort of but whatever American it is, like I would go in there, American I would go domestic. in there, and they would hand me the menu, and there would be items on the menu that you're obviously not supposed to order, and I would order it. Like, can I get the chicken tenders? And they'd be like, people don't, order people don't get here. the chicken tenders here, right? It's like, oh, nobody gets the tuna. Nobody gets. That was my bar. You couldn't order the fish and chips. It was like against the rules. Oh, uh, I Brooklyn like nicer bar. bars. This is a Camille and I keep talking about this. Camille from late to the party. She likes dive bars. She'll like go out of her way to go to like the local dive bar, like common, what, like community. Inn? Sure, yeah, but she'll like go to other cities and go to there like tourist attraction dive bar and i just don't like that i don't like a grungy gross atmosphere maybe it's just because i've done bar scene touring and i've been to some pretty gross places that i've had to be at right and specifically specifically gold sounds in flatbush brooklyn or no sorry bushwick bushwick brooklyn uh is gross (laughs) great venue love the staff smells very bad is sticky everything is sticky but it's like a bar with like a like a ballroom in the back like a very small ballroom so what is 
Sh- tell me about a, t- a bar around town that you feel like meets Ethan's standards for like going to the bar. Cause like 202 Social House, I'm not, I was not cool enough in high school to go to 202 Social House. I'll go to 202 during daylight hours. Yeah, I don't want to see the mean girls from high school um, at nighttime. It's fine. Like I like, I like either like chic bars, like very modern bars or like cozy bars. So not 202. Other than 202, where would you go? I don't know. I mean, I'd really go anywhere. Um, Around here? Yeah. I know my bars around here, though. Right. Like, we don't really have, like... I wouldn't go to, like, first down over behind the railroad tracks. No. No. Um, but, like, I'm thinking about, I uh, wouldn't... I, I got nervous driving past that place when it was on my way to work. <laughs> what was a place that, uh, outside the Verizon Center, we went to Clyde's, outside the Verizon Center. Yeah. It was, like, wood-paneled, nice yeah. bar. Cozy bar. I like places like that, where I could get a cube. What is a cube? Like, the cube, the, the big fancy cube ice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, like, you order something on the rocks and you get a rock. Right, I like the place, I like a place that has a drink menu. But they're expensive. That's fine. Okay. Cool, I'll cool, have cool, a couple. Cool. Dr- I'm not. I'm not, If I'm going there to get hammered, yeah, I'm fine going really anywhere. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I say, if, if my choice, I like a cozy bar or or like a. Um, I think in a different circumstance, I really would have liked the ping pong bar we went to in Seattle. That kind of atmosphere. I didn't dislike it. I think it was just too busy at the time. That was a place where you have to know the rules really well. Right, and we were underdressed and and didn't go with enough people. And right, I like so the I, circuit I, in Richmond. The barcade. I love the circuit in Richmond. Yeah, barcade. I love a good barcade. I love a brewery. Um, our brewery that we go to is really fantastic. Yeah, but I like most their beer is only okay, but their atmosphere is their beer is really good. I think the beer is only okay. Their beer is really good. Uh, I like Three Notch a lot. Next door, Three Notch is fantastic. Yeah, great spot. Um, <laughs> you know what was not a great spot? Cornerstone. Thank God that's gone. <laughs> I like any bar where they where they know what kind of glass my beer is supposed to be served in and will serve it to me in that glass. Mm, so you like a beer snobs bar? Yeah, definitely. I'm a beer snob. <laughs> well, I'm a beer snob too, yeah. so I'm with that. I, yeah. I enjoy a place where I feel at home. Like I like going. I like going to a nice record store. Right? Like I enjoy that yeah lunchbox Records, charlotte north carolina great spot creep records philadelphia pennsylvania great spot you know being a fan of trading card games i do not have the same experience i really like a walmart uh or a target well so um that, uh but i don't do not we live in a town with the greatest trading card store in the world like the biggest trading card hub in the world is right here in roanoke virginia and uh i don't think you can pay me to go in there to so star city gaming yeah nope will they not sell you uh pokemon cards at blade i have not been to blade for it so i don't know i like blade. I, can look, I can look at their website i've never been inside blade actually, i like blade so I uh they have a really good board game selection I love board games. Big um, board game fan. I actually ran into them at a Big Lip Comic Con. I was working a booth with a buddy of mine who does digital art. Like and, I love uh, going into into Blade and just being like, I'm gonna buy a board game and just pick one. And then you do. Mm-hmm. And you then I do. Them. I keep trying to drink water out of this. There's no more water in it. There's just ice. You know what I've got right here is Food Lion brand seltzer water, lemon lime. Nice. Oh, I've got a lime or lemon Lacroix. I'm gonna pour over this ice. There you go. Oh, rip it and grip it yeah, and I rip like, it. I like going to a record store. I, I enjoy because like I'll, I'll go and, and and look through like the punk rock section and I'll look at every record they've got there. You typically know every record in the punk rock section. No. Oh, I don't know. I don't no. know how this freaking works. Well, because they've got they've got like. Do you, do you like do you stand there for a few minutes looking at the punk rock section and then kind of like raise your hand to talk to the guy behind the counter and be like, "Do you have American Idiot?" Uh, I already have my copy of American Idiot. <laughs> do you have Dookie by Green Day? Do you have it? They have trouble keeping those in stock. I would imagine early Green right, Day. Because- they have trouble keeping those in stock because uh, idiots like you. Right, but like, so it. if I if I go look for so say if if I if, if Drop the Girl ever printed a record, right? Yeah. If we if we press a record, it would it, it, theoretically if it got in stores, it would be in the same section as like the Clash. I don't know who that is. They're like the original punk band, the Sex Pistols. Okay. 
uh, uh, freaking, you know, like Morrissey, uh, like guys like that. Really, like anything that they can't just spin off as rock. So, like, I'll be, I'll go through a lot of stuff that from the seventies and eighties and nineties that I have no, or even the two thousands that I have absolutely no interest in. And then you'd be like, ah, from under the cork tree. There we go. If I found from under the cork tree in in <laughs> in a record store, I would. It would be a good day. <laughs> That's when they have a hard time keeping stocked. They don't just that, oh, that one never on, like, got really press. pressed. Ah, they did a repress this year. I mean, I think it got it got like a hundred or something in two thousand four. That's none. That's none. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what the deal with the uh, Banish Ship or Ben All Hope was. It's like they made like fifty of this variant, and and, and I think there were maybe a total of five hundred that were sold in two thousand ten or two thousand six or whatever it was. Eight seven. We'll have to get. So that's the deal with uh with Pretty Odd by Panic at the Disco. They made like I don't know a thousand or whatever, and there's nobody selling them, right? <laughs> Wait, why would you? That's a collector's. Item. Yeah, exactly. So if I found one of those, that would be awesome. Those are definitely that's pretty odds one that's on my list. I've got a mental list that like I'm going through when I go into a record store and be like, and if they have this, if they have this, that'd be really cool. Because that's part of the fun of it, right? Like I could just go on the internet and summon it to my house usually pretty easily. But part I mean, of the fun of it is going and finding it in the wild, right? Like I mean, there that's are definitely, definitely the fun of it. There are definitely records where I'm like, oh, I gotta have this, right? Like I got, I want this record just to listen to it, right? But there's some that I'm, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for it to come around. And one day I'll be at Creep Records in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and and, and find the thing I'm looking for. Creep Records is also a venue. Do you, so when you guys were touring, did you just go to like the local record shop in every town? Yeah, basically. Did you buy a lot of records? I bought a few. Yeah. And you didn't get me any Maynard Ferguson records? Nope. Didn't really look in the jazz section. That's the wildest thing. You know, I, I think if I was going to Lunchbox Records in Charlotte, North Carolina, they don't, they're do not they not really a jazz record kind of place. They would have Maynard Ferguson. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't really check. Uh. Um, but yeah, when I was when I was touring, especially with Gordon Phillips, Gordon Phillips wanted to hit a record store in every town. And I came across some bad ones. Whatever the place we went to in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, won't go there again. Don't remember what it was called, but won't go there again. Was the guy a jerk? Yeah, he was a huge dick. Did you walk in and he was like, the Beatles are over there, bud. Nah, dude. Uh, one of the guys <laughs> at Down Hall was named Robbie. He was like asking questions and this dude was just kind of like cool guy in him about it. I'm sorry to hear that. That's fine. It's just like, I, they didn't really have a good selection anyway. They did, that guy probably thought they had the best selection. Oh, uh, he had a lot of tapes. Tapes. Oh, that's a big thing now, right? That's like it's coming new... back. It's coming back. Uh, I also got the new Mountain Goats record on tape. It came, the, the, the cassette and the vinyl came together. That's really cool. Uh, it is the only Mountain Goats record I own on vinyl though, because it's the first one they've printed colorfully. Is it green? No, it's like gold. All, like shiny gold? Yeah. That's really My cool. options were gold or salmon. I went with gold. That's cool. I think there was a collector's edition version of In Leave with Dragons that was green. That was the last year's one. Mountain Goats, the Mountain Goats released a lot of music. They put out two full-length albums this year. That's the whole point, though, right? That's like the dream. It's just like keep writing, keep producing, keep Some people's keep releasing. dream. Some people want to play the music a lot. I mean, obviously, the Mountain Goats do both. They're they're kind of an anomaly. They have a lot of records. But also, like, John does half of them. Not half of them. But at, at one point, did half of them on his boombox. That's so he, cool. He put out a boombox record this year. It only came out on cassette and Spotify. That's so cool. I have the cassette somewhere. That's yeah, right here. Came, uh, came on a cassette with the cover art drawn by his son, Moses. That's so cool. It do you is. have a cassette player? Yeah, I do. It is do you feel like your cassette player should look like, uh, is there a certain mod modernity to it? Or is there like a certain retro look that you have to have? Oh, uh, my cassette player is like a, I mean, I have like, I have like proper tape decks that I could go get from my mom's house. That, that have like, like a shoulder that, strap? <laughs> no, not like a boom box. It's like, a, it's just a cassette player that plugs into a hi-fi, like into a stereo. They would deliver the ideal performance from that tape. Oh, and you, so you don't want those. I just don't. I haven't gotten. I have three tapes. I have a uh, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band Born to Run tape. That's the only tape I have. I have. Sorry. With me, I have four tapes. Uh, my, I have a lot of tapes. I just don't know where any of them are. Uh, I haven't looked at them in 10 years. Man, somebody's listening to this episode like, these guys usually tell funny jokes. And this has just been conversations about music. Yeah. Let me remind you the premise of the show, dear listener. Ethan and I watch a movie and then we talk. 
Yep. And the, the movie spurs a conversation. Sometimes there's jokes about mayonnaise, and sometimes there's an hour and a half conversation about tape decks. So I have uh, I have Songs for Pierre Chauvin by The Mountain Goats. I have Tornado Season by Downhall. I have Before You Fall Asleep by Downhall. And I have Same Pain by Nonfiction, which is a band I toured with. Do you have... Dia Erlkenig. What? The 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 Demon King. Dia Erlkenig? Yeah. I do not. But anyway, uh, I just have like a like a cassette recorder that I could play them on theoretically. Because if you could get that on vinyl, that would be really fantastic. This is this is my tape player. Looks like this. Hold on, I don't have I don't have Zoom open. Oh, that's what I was picturing. Is that the one we ordered on the internet one time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bacon and Eggs, for my tape player. We should still deliver that because that was a cool thing idea we had. I agree. I agree. And it's a great person to give it to. Let me let me do some research on the Amazon box real quick. Um, I'm currently plugging the tape player in just to see what happens. I've never actually used it. It needs to be plugged in. I imagine it was battery power. Uh, it has battery capability, but it also has a cord. So I gotta hit the stop eject button. I gotta remember how to use a tape is the real crux. <laughs> You'll see what happens here. Which way do I put it on? Does it go in this way? Does it go this way? I think it goes this way. It's got some hiss. Nice. Keep yourself out of the action. There you go. Arrows flying through the air. That's so cool. Your reputation precedes you. Something must be done. This is all on Raid by the Mountain Goats, if I'm not very much mistaken. So yeah, it just plays as a tape. We were gonna uh, put Happy Again by Drop the Girl on tapes, but it's a complicated process. Harder than you think? Um, yes. So you can't, it's not as easy as ordering CDs where you just put the files on and, and they send you tapes. It's like, you gotta, you can't just order them online. You gotta do like an order form and like mail in the order form. It's cause you're with, with like a CDR of, of the things that you're going to put on it. Cause you're sending mail to the past. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's also kind of expensive, not nearly as expensive as vinyl, but kind of expensive more than CD, less than vinyl. Vinyl's very expensive. What would it take for you all to put happy again on vinyl? A lot of money. A lot of money. Um, if I made a GoFundMe and gave you $8. A lot of people would have to give us $8. <laughs> you would have to buy it for more than $8. Okay. okay. So the problem is, um, it is it, vinyl is cost prohibitive for sure. Um, to do all kinds of things to make and to ship. And like, you really got to uh, sell them for quite a bit of money, which means they're really only useful for full length records. And Happy Again was an EP. It was five songs. So, so if you want to do a seven inch with five songs on it, it costs like just about as much as a full length record, but they people won't pay as much for them. Right. I've learned so much about the music industry today. So vinyl is cost prohibitive. If if we wanted to print Happy Again on seven inches, it would probably, we could probably get it done for like $1,100. think that would be the minimum cost sort of, because we'd probably have to order 200 of them we gotta get to rap ethan we gotta do the uh mm. the score gotta do the scores anyway so i really like this movie i know we just talked a lot about music and how to buy music and what records are and stuff but that but that's the conversation that came from the movie yeah that's, so that's i do, I do just want to say though i do really enjoy this movie you should go watch it it's uh, streaming on hulu and you can buy it for four dollars or five dollars however much money five dollars five dollars it's a good movie you should support it you should i hope they make more movies like this that are fun good times with queer people in them yes as do i gotta get some scores going for this here movie so my score was a 78 what was your score uh 80 okay i thought it was an 80 i've got everything punched in with the exception of the listener score which i'm waiting for you right i gotta calculate that to drum roll out uh okay i need calculator damn it calculator 
work for me. Sing for me, my calculator of music. Okay, Facebook. Your friend Tyler Carlin posted in Bacon and Eggs fans. That's a me. It's a me, Tyler. So it is a 86 listener score. 86. The listeners liked it more than we did. That's that's what this is all about. Is finding a movie. That, now that I expected to happen on a movie that we crapped on more. I thought this was a fantastic movie. Uh, so you know that's its own thing. But right, yeah, I gave it an 80. Yeah, I gave it 78. Um, which I think is a fantastic score. I think it's a great film. We should have more like it. Uh, I think we need more films that are between a 75 and an 85. I do believe that. Well, unfortunately, here's the problem with that. A lot of films that are between a 75 and an 85 were made by like Fox Searchlight and Fox 2000 and Disney killed those and murdered them with their bare hands and didn't replace them with anything. That's true. Um, so now it's entirely reliant on like A24 to make these movies. A24 makes movies that are too good. Mm, they make these movies too. Yeah. I don't actually know uh, who made this movie. For, for $2.4 million at the box office, it sounds like no one. Nobody made it. Nobody saw it. Uh, so are you ready for the listener score? I'm sorry, not the listener score. The bacon and egg score. Yeah, sure am. Rounding up to an 82 overall. Dang. Hearts Beat Loud comes in at an 81.75, which uh, as we stated is an 82 which puts it towards the bottom above shrek below stranger than fiction cool neat yeah uh, so this see. movie was distributed by Gunpowder and Sky, uh, which is a company I've heard of, but do not have a Wikipedia page. Um, so I'm sorry, what did I say? This movie is called Hearts Beat Loud. 82, 81.75. Uh, there is some space between this and Stranger Than Fiction. Stranger Than Fiction has an 82.8. Uh, so I, I would not be surprised if, if something slides its pretty little heart in there. Next week, I don't have anything picked out, but the following week, we're doing uh, The Chronicles of Narnia with Danny. Next week will probably that. be a Christmas movie. Probably. Last year for Christmas, I saw Last Christmas. Christmas, which was uh, kind of like a mind bender Christmas movie. It got like only so reviews, but I thought it was pretty good. If you're looking for I heard it was terrible. Oh, I thought it was all right. Fair. Cool. Well, that's been Bacon and Eggs. Uh, our graphics are by Vaishan Brandon, graphite.vmb on Instagram. And our music is by Andrew Scott Bell, andrewscottbellmusic.com. And this is a trailer for Late to the this Party. This is a trailer for Late to the Party that I also made. This is an urgent message. If you or a loved one have been suffering from mild hallucinations, encountering what looked like a, a horde of zombies, lack of fine motor function, there was no parking, and I pulled up on the lawn and broke a sprinkler head. The inability to sit for long periods of time. Did you just break the chair? Jordan is holding a chair arm up. Roll to sit. Oh, did not do so good. Trouble using your tools. Are you going to take another smashy smash? I sure am. 13 probably doesn't hit. Does not hit. Sorry about the dice, Scott. <laughs> or existential crises. And I'm playing Sunny Days, a high elf cleric, a half elf cleric, a quarter elf cleric, a mostly human cleric, a mostly human, but with a smidgen of elf cleric. You may be entitled to podcasts. Ask your doctor about Late to the Party, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast for the whole family. Available every other Monday on WBNE.org or wherever podcasts are sold. Starting December 7th, we've got a new campaign starting with about Christmas. So go listen to Late to the Party, a podcast that I am on. And anyway, that's been Bacon and Eggs. I've been Ethan Eshel. He's been Tyler Carlin. Until next week, Arrivederci. Art.